Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. You're listening to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea Gillis. And I'm Step Page. We're two Canadian expats now living in Australia and the UK. Between the two of us, we've been through the ringer in our travels, experiencing missed flights, volcanic eruptions, and even a terrorist attack. It's not all that extreme, though. We've also experienced heartwarming, life-changing moments and met amazing people along the way. So kick back and listen to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. Welcome to another episode of All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea. And I'm Steph. Hi, Steph. Uh, starting hey. right off the bat, we've got some new Patreon shoutouts to give, don't we? Yes, we want to thank Steve Bolton so very much. Thank you for coming on board. You will have some swag coming your way soon, so nice. we appreciate you very much. Thanks, Steve. I thought this week maybe we could talk about something that you and I are absolute experts on oh what's that what's that luxury travel oh yeah definitely i mean i'm all about that five star uh <laughs> travel game the no. limos the private jets <laughs> the champagne of crystal, the caviar. yeah yeah definitely that's that's how we travel all the time right Steph? uh no so we are not experts but we did want to do an episode on this so we have to pull in the big guns for this one Yes, we did. And this week I actually spoke to Mr. Scott Eddy. So if you don't know who Scott Eddy is yet, definitely check him out. He does amazing things in the luxury travel realm. And he is one of the Mm. realest, just incredible people. So we were very lucky to interview him for this week's episode. Yeah. But Andrea, have you ever, before we jump into that, have you ever had a little taste of luxury? I would say the most luxurious travel I've ever done was probably when I was in Thailand. Um, Now, Thailand is, because it's a lot cheaper there, it's a lot easier to do the luxury travel. So when I went there Mm -hmm. a few years ago, I did stay in what would be considered like a five-star. It was like a beautiful bungalow in Koh Phi Phi. That was one of the spots that we stayed. Um, But again, compared to what that would cost for a lot of other places, it was still relatively cheap. Um, but that was probably, I mean, the most luxurious kind of travel I've done. Okay. Um, yep. I've never flown first class. I've never, you know, stayed in some of the really fancy hotels like you see in, I don't know, like Las Vegas, that kind of, uh, never anything like that. What about you? I feel you're like, you're on the same page as me. For the most part, I've had like little taste. So I did have, I mean, so I did get bumped up to first class once flying from oh. the Czech Republic to Canada many years back. Okay, that's and fancy. Yeah, and it was actually right when Team Canada won the World Junior Hockey Championship in Russia. Right. And so I got bumped up and I was in first class with 
the junior hockey team. And I thought this was incredible until you realize they are like 16 year old boys. Oh, right. And (laughs) I remember, I remember two of them actually making farting sounds with their armpits. And I was like, okay, (laughs) yeah, this is not cool anymore. But the first class was cool. Yeah, you always wonder. I mean, I, I flew business class on my trip recently to Costa Rica from Toronto. Not the same as first class, very different. But same, there was like some kids in business class that obviously their parents were there as well. And I'm thinking like, I mean, if I were a parent, I'd be like, kids, you're sitting in coach. <laughs> but it was the same thing. They were just kind of being really annoying. I'm like, why are these kids up here? This isn't luxurious. Yeah, you need to humble those children and get them out of first class. Oh, definitely. Make them, make them know they got to earn it. <laughs> yeah. I guess the biggest thing, though, when we talk about luxury travel, we don't want anyone listening thinking that this is all we're talking about, as in yeah. uh, first class flying and private jets and you know spending tons of money. Luxury travel can mean different things for different people. And I think that's the biggest thing that we want to point out here, that to one person, it might be a private jet or flying business class, but to someone else, it could be... I actually have a good example. So as everyone knows, I'm big on couch surfing, hostels, Airbnb. Mm, right. So for me, luxury is just really nice hotels. And what I mean yeah. by really nice hotels would be some other luxury travelers. Like I would never stay in that room. Yeah. But to me, that room is luxury. So I think the most spoiled I've been that way is when I've gone on tour with TLC a number of times. Uh, obviously, ground transportation, hotels, everything's provided for. So it's kind of like, get, you know, getting into the car service with the guy who has your name and going to the hotel and having a nicer room than I would ever spend money on. Yeah. And just um, kind of that, you know, that it's a step up from what I would normally do myself. So to me, that is luxury. Yeah. Yeah. To some other people, it might just be booking a massage on a beach. <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah. that might, that it's something they might not do on the regular or even booking the, the emergency exit on a plane. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, just the little things that could mean luxury to you. So I, I know it, Steph, when you interviewed Scott Eddie, you know, you guys talk about that specifically, yes. um, the different types of what luxury means uh, to everyone. So without yeah. further ado, let's jump into the interview. <laughs> here we go. Okay. Check it out, guys. So I'm here with Scott Eddie. It's really good to chat with you. I've been following you for a lot of years, many, many years now. And I've watched you travel all around the world. And even though we've chatted a few times and it feels like we know each other, it's nice to actually chat. I kind of feel like we're meeting for the first time for the second time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's funny that finally when you, when you chat with somebody after you meet them after a few years, it sort of feels like you're meeting them in real life. Exactly. Even though it's still just a phone call. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> From the jump off, for any of my listeners who may not know who you are, which is crazy to me in itself, um, I want them to learn a little bit about you. And I love your story because you made a huge leap from stockbroker to traveler. And part of what we do with this podcast is encourage people to take those huge, scary leaps. So if you could tell us a bit about you, your story, and how you got to where you are now, that would be great. Right. Um, so it, it, it goes all the way back and let me just tell you a little bit about my family and it'll, it'll explain a lot moving forward. Um, on my mom's side of the family, both her parents are from Lebanon and then they moved to Jamaica to open up a business. And my mother and all my aunts and uncles and cousins were born in Jamaica. 
Um, my mom is, I think, the only one in her family to marry an American. And my father's side of the family, they're all from Michigan. Huh. So my dad's side of the family, they're all police officers. So my dad was a Michigan State Trooper went up in Michigan for 11 years. And I was born in Michigan. And then we moved to Fort Lauderdale when I was three. Okay. And my father was a Fort Lauderdale cop uh, for 11 years down here. And for me growing up, I was, you know, the typical cop son. I hung out a lot at the police stations. I went on ride-alongs a lot. And for me, I was going to graduate high school, become a cop, retire, and die. Like, that was my whole life plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three weeks before I graduated high school, my father was killed in the line of duty oh. in a plane crash. And it oh. just... Yeah. Turn my whole world upside down. That is awesome. And um, yeah, and um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, the thing I didn't want to do was to be a cop. Yeah. Obviously. So my friend's friend was up in New York. This was 1989. He was up in New York and the stock markets were going through the roof. And he said, Listen, there's a new investment banking firm opening up in Fort Lauderdale. I know the guy. Uh, I can get you into their training program because you should do it. I said, I don't know math. I don't know how to sell. I don't know finance. Like it could not be the worst job for me. <laughs> so, and uh, I eventually said yes. And I went and I was a stockbroker for all of the nineties. So I did that for 10 years wow. and looking back at it, it was the best thing that could have possibly happened because I learned one skill very well and that's how to sell. Okay. And in my opinion, it's the best skill that you could have in any industry because you're doing nothing but selling all day. Yeah. So <clears throat> they sold the farm out of the blue 10 years later in 99. And uh, they came out of the office and said, listen, we're selling the farm. Um, you know, if you want to resign, if you want to stay, it's completely up to you. Most people resigned, including me. Mm-hmm. My friend's friend was an expat living in Thailand, and he said, listen, you're 29, you've never been to Europe, you've never been to Asia, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. And I hopped on a plane and went over there for a two-week trip. After four days, I called my mom, I said, these people are just too, too nice, like, why would I ever leave? I'm not coming home to a job, send my stuff, I'm never coming home. So and where were you Europe then? Bangkok. Okay. And uh, I lived in Europe and Asia for 17 years. Wow. That gives me goosebumps. Yeah, Yeah, it was heaven. I I mean, I miss it to this day. I I literally, if if my business didn't depend on me being based in the U.S., Mm -hmm. I'd move back tonight. Wow. Um, So the first few years, I did nothing. I just was sort of like, I was having fun. I was getting acclimated to the culture shock of moving from a first world, like everything, moving to Asian culture where, you know, half the things in the U.S. weren't even available in, yeah. in Southeast Asia at that time. Yeah. So it, it was a very big shock, but it was a pleasant shock at the same time. Yeah. And then a few years later, social media came around and my, my good friend in Hong Kong, uh, who was actually in finance as well, he's like, listen, you should set up a digital agency. I go, what is that? He goes, he's, I said, you're talking like MySpace and Facebook and shit like that. And he goes, 
Yeah. He goes, we're investing millions into it. He was in the advertising space. And I was like, I, I just, I don't understand. But then I thought, <laughs> listen, I didn't understand the finance world as well. And I did very good at that. So I'm like, all right, maybe I should roll the dice. Mm-hmm. I set up the first digital agency in Southeast Asia, and we were the biggest for five years. Wow. So when Bangkok, Phuket, Samui, Bali, Singapore, Macau, Hong Kong, and they were all blowing up, we were the go-to digital agency building out the strategies and just doing everything they needed digitally. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's why I really learned the whole business. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just watched of my very smart team that I put together for five years mm-hmm. and sold it after five years and built up my personal brand and, um, you know, bounced around. I lived in six different countries and I came back to the U.S. a few years ago. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. And I love part of that story is that a lot of people think that these life events that, seem catastrophic. You're, for example, your firm shutting down. They think mm. these are bad things when really sometimes these are the most pivotal moments in our life to do something completely new. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I love that. So you're considered a luxury travel entrepreneur. How do you, <laughs> de- how do you define luxury? How, what does it mean to you? Well, it means something much different than when I first got in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, Luxury is an ever-evolving thing, and I don't think the industry uh, describes what it does. I think it's the customer that mm-hmm. that basically, you know, says what you are as a brand. Um, so, luxury can mean a lot of different things um, to somebody who's working a hundred hours a week on Wall Street. Luxury might just be a little beach shack on the sand and a place where they don't have to put on shoes for a week. You know, that could be luxury. Um, Or it could be the hoity-toity, you know, place with the white gloves and nobody smiles and completely stuffy and, you know, $10,000 a night uh, hotel. (laughs) And and it could be anywhere in between. That's the beauty of luxury. Luxury means so many different things to so many different people. Definitely. And I love pointing that out because I think so many people have that image of that $10,000 a night where right kind of place and they don't realize some people luxury is being able to turn off their phone somewhere or where there's no service. So they can't turn on their phone. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because when you, when you look at trends, okay. And, and trends are with music or with TV or with movies, you know, those are the main three main drivers of, of, of trends. But if you look at those three things, whenever they talk about money, they're talking about the private jets. They're talking about the, the limos. They're talking about the hotel suites, the private yachts. But what they're not talking about is the average millionaire in the world drives a car that's 15 years old, wears a watch that costs less than $100, mm-hmm. and is the most conservative person in the world and you know what I mean? It's not, they're, they're not talking about the norm. They're, they're selling music. They're selling movies. They're selling the dream. They're mm-hmm. selling what all these kids are looking up to. They're selling, you know, you're talking about athletes. Yeah. That's what you're pointing to. But the average millionaire is not that. Yeah. They're a millionaire because they don't do that. Because they don't do that. Correct. Exactly. So, you know, they're, they're selling an impossible dream the reality is much different. 
Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And so a, a lot of t- today people are very used to the word influencer now, but you are not yeah. an influencer. You're an entrepreneur. Well, you are by definition, <laughs> you're but you're an entrepreneur. So you're more than an influencer. What's the difference to you between influencer and entrepreneur? I mean, the whole industry is sickening these days because mm-hmm. people are getting into the industry because they want to be big on social media. Yeah. They, they want the free shit. Yeah. They, they, they just, and they want it to happen overnight. Yeah. Um, you know, the goal for anybody in this industry and in, in any industry, when, you, when you're building up a personal brand is the goal is for me, you know, a, a very healthy goal for me is say there's a new conference that's coming out that really is talking about the world of travel and luxury and, and new trends and this and that. And obviously I want to be known as a thought leader in that industry. I want that the person making the decisions to put people on the panels and to pick out the keynote speaker and the regular speakers for that conference. Mm -hmm. If that person is a complete dinosaur and has no social media, I want her to know my name from talking to other people in the industry rather than talking about me because I have a huge following. Yeah. Because if they're talking about you beyond social media, isn't that the true value of influencing an industry? Absolutely. Definitely. So in any given year, how many days would you say you're on the road? Uh, last year I spent almost 320 days, no, 310 days in hotels or, uh, cruise ships or something. Not at, not at, not at home. Yep. Which I have no home, but yeah. (laughs) Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. (laughs) So uh, this week I saw a trailer on Lifetime that you have your own show coming up called Video Globe Trotter. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what you'll be doing? Sure. It's, um, so it's the first travel series on Lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it's very funny because I don't really consume a lot of TV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I've probably watched maybe Anthony Bourdain maybe three or four times and maybe 10 minute spurts each time. Okay. I've never watched a full episode of any travel show out there. Um, but from what I hear from a lot of people, and I've done research on it as well, but from what I hear from a lot of people is travel shows are very stale and boring. Yeah. <laughs> outside of Anthony Bourdain, obviously he was, you know, a genius. Yeah. But um, I, I just hear they're very boring. Um, I mean, if, and if you look at Travel Channel, as a whole, I mean, they're just doing spirits and spiritual this and ghost this. And it's, I don't even understand. Like, it's not even travel. <laughs> it's not even travel anymore. They're just going where the money's at. Yeah. I, I, so we're just trying to do something different. Um, for me, if you watch any of my content, it's very locals and people focused. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time with locals. I'm just going to be doing fun shit around the world and I'm basically you know we're gonna bring my 
Instagram feed, my Facebook feed, my Twitter feed to life. I love um, that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be filming on location. Um, it's, it's really not going to differ much from my normal life. I'm just going to be traveling with a TV crew. Yeah. Got it. And, and, and the great thing is, is my normal guy. So you can tell the difference when I'm traveling with my videographer and I'm traveling on my own because he makes my videos look like music videos. Yeah. Um, my friend Steve's. And if you saw the trip that we just did to the Maldives, it was just, it was like beyond incredible. Um, I got him as the video guy for my show. Nice. So that really gave me all the confidence in the world that the show is going to be a success because he's a magician. Yeah. That's, well, that's why even from the trailer alone, I was like, this looks fantastic. And people really buy into that authenticity. Like people yeah. feel that and they buy into that. So I'm very excited to check it out. So in the trailer for your show, you mentioned you'd be exploring all kinds of travel, whether it's couple travel or faith-based travel. And then you said your favorite kind of travel is adventure travel. So what do you mean when you say adventure travel? Listen, I don't mean like I'm going to go out there and risk my life on every episode. Adventure travel means, means something different to everybody. Just like, you know, luxury. Mm -hmm. Um, are we going to be doing fast-paced adventure-type activities? Yeah, sure. But it could also mean um, doing cool stuff around the vineyard and, and yeah. you know, playing with the grapes during harvest season and, you know, not sitting around just telling stories and with no movement and no fun. Um, adventure for me, the word means a lot more than adventure. It also means fun. Yeah. And we're just going to have fun with it. Are now, are there any, and maybe we'll have to watch, I don't know if you can answer this, but are there any kind of adventures or activities you'll be doing that you haven't done yet? Yes. And I can't answer that. Okay. All right. We'll tune in. <laughs> we'll tune in. But the, the answer is yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that just makes me more excited for it. So I'm going to ask you this, and I hate that I'm asking this because I hate when people ask me this, but I put some feelers out. Uh, I told people I'd be talking to you today and everyone wanted to know, what is the most luxurious place you've been to? Like what comes to mind first of just, wow. You mean a destination or a hotel? Like what? Either or whatever comes to mind first. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I mean, I did a campaign for Star Alliance one time, and it was called the jet setting campaign and it was all star alliance partners obviously it was a combination between business class and first class and it was a 36 day trip Ooh. uh five continents six countries eight cities and it was just non-stop but every stop it was like it was the best of the best experience so on every leg of the flight we did a different champagne and wine 
pairing slash tasting. Um, every hotel I was staying in the presidential suite. It was just, it was just all perfect. It was just really, really perfect. Um, yeah. So when somebody asked me about that, that's the first thing that comes to mind, but I've also done, you know, I've done driving experiences with BMW. I've, I've shot video with, um, Bombardier's new, new private aviate, private jets. Um, you know, I've done loads of stuff with Ritz Carlton and Four Seasons and uh, Rolls Royce. I've done shoots with, uh, I've done campaigns for F1 and British Open and, you know, lots of, lots of cool stuff. Yeah, I love that. But, and I, but, I, never, I, but never stuffy. Yeah, I do remember some of your video tours that you give of, of some of those presidential suites. And I remember yeah. my jaw just dropping at home. They're ridiculous. <laughs> They're insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, has there anywhere you've ever gone that you expected to be a bit luxurious and it was just shockingly not like maybe you were disappointed or it was advertised wrong and you don't have to say where or what if you don't want, but if yes, like maybe the story without the place or. Um, so I'm assuming you're talking about the destination. Either it could be destination, it could be, because I know sometimes people will book a new, you know, high-end luxury hotel that hasn't launched yet. They've done a soft launch, so they get there and none of the amenities are there. Like, so it could be either. So I'm normally working with the hotel Mm -hmm. and the destination and usually the airline. So that would be hard for it to happen. Okay. Because... If they were to bring somebody like me in and have a problem, and so I would never throw them under the bus publicly, but I very well could. I'm not under contract. Yep. I very well could throw them under the bus and, you know, give them an enormous PR headache. Yeah. Um, but it would be the dumbest thing in the world for the brand to do to bring me in if everything wasn't perfect. So, no, nothing like that has ever happened. Okay. And you kind of tied into what I was going to ask you from that is one thing I know a lot of people want to know from people who travel or different influencers of any kind is that when you're doing something like this, because we're smart, we know that you're going to these places because it's either a sponsorship or brand partnership, um, something of that sort. And how do you maintain Mm -hmm. that personal integrity of being able to be honest while also honoring the purpose of the agreement with the company? Like, do you provide feedback privately to them? How would that work if something, if you got them, we're like, "Mm, they got a couple areas they can improve on. There has never been a trip where I don't give feedback um, privately to the brand hotel destination. I always do. And I'm always blatantly honest. Um, I, I, I don't, think I don't see the benefit of putting a brand on blast and and just calling them out and saying how shitty the hotel is or how shitty the services or something like that there's just no benefit to that yeah um and I don't want to be known as one of those guys because it's just there's no etiquette behind it there's no I wasn't raised that way yeah um so on the other side it's one of the things that I really hate specifically about the luxury industry Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that enter this space that has never been involved in a purchase of high-end brands. Mm-hmm. So, and what I mean by that is if, if, if a private jet company, an aviation company or a charter company or whatever it is, 
gets in contact with you to do a, a, a trip from Fort Lauderdale to New York. Mm-hmm. It's, you've never been on a private jet before in your life. Obviously, the experience is going to be amazing, correct? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Hey, so how, how can that be an authentic voice on social media or however they want it in an article or whatever your deliverables are? Whereas if you've never paid for it, how can you speak logically about it? Yeah. I, I, I was fortunate enough to be in the finance world for 10 years and in 10 very good years. Mm-hmm. And I lived a certain lifestyle, you know, without being a douchebag like most people in that industry. But, <laughs> um, but I know what it costs to take that private charter from Fort Lauderdale to New York down to the Bahamas. I know what it costs to get a helicopter from Barcelona to Ibiza and rent a villa. I know what these prices are. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I think I have a pretty authentic voice. Um, I can even tell them what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. If you're doing it for the first time, how the hell do you know what they're doing wrong? Yeah, yeah. And, I- and how do you know what those clients are thinking? You have no idea because you're not familiar with that type of clientele. Yeah, this I I've never even thought of it this way, but you're very right. Like if I took a, I've never been on a private jet, and if I took right. one tomorrow, I would just be blown away. Everything would be amazing. So so here's the thing: I, I've done a trip with the British Open before, okay? Mm-hmm. And they know because I talk about it quite often because of my background in investment banking, and I speak at lots of startup events. I consult for VCs. So I'm very heavily involved still Mm -hmm. in the finance world, just on the marketing side now. But so that, that, that gives my audience, um, highly targeted towards golf and people know that. So I have a lot of golfers, serious golfers that are, that are, uh, people that follow me, people in my audience. So British open approached me. The first thing they said is, we know you don't like golf, but we'd like you to talk to your audience and be over here at the British Open. Mm -hmm. And every day I was there, and I did, and it was fun, and it was great, and the engagement was great, but every day I was there, I was like, wow, I don't like golf, but man, look at this crowd. Look how excited they are. Look at, I was very, very real Mm -hmm. about not liking golf, and like, I think it's the most boring sport in the world. (laughs) <laughs> but these people are still here. The audience is still here, and it's real. Yeah, they definitely have a. It's a cult following golf. I'm the same. Oh yeah, they're all, they're all they're all into it. But having said that, going to one of these events, like the content's perfect. Like I was in the Viv Coco booth, like drinking champagne. It was it was great. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Like how could it be bad? Um, yeah. But you know, like golf. Like how much of the match should I watch every day? Like. 10 minutes. <laughs> I watched the 18 hole like when it was exciting. That sounds um, like me when I try to go to the AFL here in Australia. Right, right. The Australians will shoot me down for that, but right, I, right, I right. of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Oh, uh, too funny. Um, one question I get asked a lot is, and it, this makes me laugh. It's what are you going to do when you're older, if you're doing it all now? And I laugh because there's so much to do in this world. It would take multiple lifetimes to even try to do it all. But when that said, even when I look at you, you seem to have done uh, not at all, but almost at all. (laughs) What are places you dream of that you haven't been yet? 
Are you just talking traveling or are you talking in the business? Um, well, well, both really. I was thinking travel when I asked it, but that's a good point is people always have dreams outside of everything. Like either so, or. So, so traveling, I mean, I haven't even hit half the countries. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that that's their goal is to visit every country in the world. And I have a lot of good friends that have, that have done that. Yeah. Um, it's just not my goal. Uh, you know, like sometimes like last year, I only hit a couple new countries. I didn't hit a lot of new countries because I have a lot of repeat clients. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. I go, <laughs> I go, to, I go to France, you know, five, six times a year. I go to California three, four times a year. I, I go to St. Kitts a couple times a year. I'm in the Caribbean five, six, seven, sometimes 10 times in a year. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, it's a, it's a good problem to have to work with a lot of countries uh, multiple times a year over multiple years, you know, keep coming back to you. Yeah, and it on speaks the to other your... side, Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it, listen, you treat them right. Yeah, it speaks to your character, your work ethic, that they come back to you year after year. So that is a very good yeah. testament just to who you are and how you work. Yeah. And, and as far as business is concerned, the answer is very simple. The answer is, I don't know. And that answer is always the same. And why that answer is the same is because I'm in the digital side of travel. Mm -hmm. Travel is the biggest industry in the world and digital changes overnight. Mm, so I think of myself as a startup mm -hmm. and I'm nimble and I can pivot overnight and I'm just staying fluid. I think my only job is to keep my personal brand relevant, yep. keep growing, and keep doing different things every year. I love that. And that's one thing I really wish everyone would kind of take on is do different things because doing different things brings different opportunities you hadn't thought of. Correct. And that's what I get asked a lot. Like, oh, you seem to do like just a lot of really cool things. And I'm like, they aren't even things you know, I envision most of the time there are opportunities that presented themselves that right. I just said yes to. Yeah. And yeah, no, that's fantastic. So <laughs> if someone were to be saving all their money for years, someone who's never had a luxury travel experience, they saved up for years, they're going to go on one luxury trip in their life. What would you say, this is the thing you should do? I am insanely biased towards Southeast Asia. Yep. Number one, just because they're the kindest people in the world. Mm -hmm. um, number two is because your money goes a lot very far over there. Yeah. And like you could stay at a three-star hotel and the stars really don't mean anything these days, but you could stay in the equivalent of a three-star hotel in Bangkok and you're going to get the same service that you would get in a five-star hotel in America just because they're, they're nice people. Yeah. In America, they're doing it because of tips and or the brand they represent and or their salary and or a list of other reasons. Why do you need a reason to treat somebody good? If, uh, yeah, I could not agree more. So that, that's my, that would be my suggestion. And it is, I get asked, you know, multiple times a day um, about different trips and destinations and whatnot. And that's always my answer. I, I just think it's the greatest place in the world. 
Now I have to ask, since I'm, I'm Canadian now living in Australia, living here, some Australians are pretty judgmental of Southeast Asia, not because of anything to do with the countries, but mm-hmm. because there's too many Australians because it's the well, only close course. thing. Of course. <laughs> you ever it's run just... into rowdy Australians? Well, yeah, I actually have loads of Aussie friends that live yeah. in Southeast Asia all over the place. <laughs> yeah. um, listen, it's, my, it's the equivalent of me thinking about Costa Rica. Yeah. It's Americans everywhere. This is Canadians in Cuba. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we just started being able to go there, and even now it's a little messed up. But you guys have been able to go there forever. Yeah. True. Well, it's the only close thing. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Uh, one thing I, we've been talking about all these countries around the world, but one thing I really do like about you and what you share and what you post is that when you're home, when you're in Florida, mm. um, you do so much there and you show people that travel and adventure and fun mm. can also be very close to home. So you don't always have to be on a plane or across an ocean. Um, Cause a lot for a lot of people, depending on their life circumstances, that might not be attainable for them, but, you can do things close to home and you can have those experiences. Um, So yeah, I just, there's not really a question in there. I just wanted to say, I love (laughs) (laughs) just that. I love everything you share about Florida because every time you are home, I see you're doing something new. You're trying new restaurants, new places, the street art. Um, You really sell Florida well as well. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I, I just, Number one for me, I hate sitting still. Yeah. Um, so I feel, for me, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just like, for me, it's deadly, like yeah. not traveling. I, that's why I book so many trips back to back to back. Mm-hmm. I just, I love that. And I hate, um, I hate the feeling that I'm going to go to sleep and wake up in the same place yeah. unless I'm in a new country or a new place or I'm not at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I, I try, so I built my whole brand on being real time in my social media posts. Yeah. Um, it's very, very hard for me to do that when I'm home. It's part of the reason that I'm, I get so frustrated and can't wait to leave yeah. because I also, as much as I love South Florida and, and it's a lot of, there's a lot of great content here. It, it's, it's also, um, quite boring to take pictures of the same pier or the same beach <laughs> or the same sunrise every single day. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I like to get out there and um, do different things. Okay. Well, you definitely do that. <laughs> um, so since you're, since you are on the road so much and you're constantly moving, how does that home bit work? when you are home, like where do you stay? Do you have a car that you keep for those, you know, 30, 40, 50 days a year? Or have you had a car all these, how does all that home stuff work when you're not there often? So the whole time that I was living overseas, I never owned a car. Uh, So I haven't owned a car since 1999. (laughs) But a few months ago, I got approached by JM Lexus, which is the largest Lexus dealership in the country wow. and to be the brand ambassador. And it just so happens that this was the dealership that when I was in finance, mm-hmm. I leased six cars from this dealership before because Lexus is my favorite car on the road. Yeah. Wow. So for me, it was a dream partnership. It was like the most organic brand ambassadorship 
that I could ever have with any brand in the world because I just love it. And they understood my travel schedule and this was just going to be me driving in between trips and this and that. So now I do have to spend a little bit more time home, not that much, but Mm -hmm. I do, I have this partnership now. They did give me a car and so I do have a car. That's the end. (laughs) The end result is that. And it's Lexus. I'm super happy. Um, on to the other stuff. When I first came back to the States, I was living with my sister for about a year. Mm-hmm. Now I rent a room from a good friend of mine who lives right around the corner from my sister. And I, it's basically just a bed and a place for me to keep my suitcases and clothes. Yeah. I, I, I don't own anything. Yeah. And I have no desire to. Well, and that was my biggest problem when I, so I relocated to Australia because I met my partner now and he was Australian. And that was my hardest. It's, I still move a lot. Don't get me wrong, but it is very hard to stay put or to buy, to, to even think about buying a household item because I'm still, and I don't know if I'll ever get out of this mindset, but when I go and look right. at the cost of, you know, a household item and I say, that is, you know, a couple of flights for me, I, I, I don't buy it because I want the flights. Right. I, 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 I agree. Yeah. I just can't get away from that. But is there any parts of traveling that you don't? So some people, you know, love traveling, but they hate the airports. Is there any, is there any bit where you're like, mm, if I could change this, I would? No. No. Yeah. And the reason that people don't like airports is because of themselves. It's nothing to do with the airport. Yeah. I walk around airports, I mean, just as much, if not as much as anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I feel like I should get paid by them. But yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, where's my check, man? <laughs> um, so uh, people don't plan properly yeah. and people are unorganized and people don't like, I, I, I'm just, they don't stress the importance of planning before a trip. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I'll never understand that. I see people like they, they get to the airport 20 minutes before boarding time and yeah. then they're yelling at the TSA agents which in their defense aren't always the nicest people but even when they are nice like they're yelling at TSA and not understanding why they're not letting them cut to the front of the line because their flight's about to board well you just got to the airport yeah like I, I just I don't understand that I so don't. you're an idiot so they're wrong <laughs> yeah no I agree it's, it's astounding we actually did an episode called airport etiquette and it was from the moment you walk in the airport to the moment you walk out of the airport at your destination. And we talk about that at every step of the process. There's people who just, I don't know what they're doing. They, they have, it, it's just, it's not, it, it's their own fault. I'm not saying that airlines and flight attendants and gate agents and security and airports. I'm not saying they do nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. Obviously they do. And airlines as a whole, they take advantage of every inch that they can and charge us for everything. And they're just not nice, especially the U S carriers. They're just atrocious other than JetBlue. Um, But it's, it's the passenger's fault most of the time. Yeah. Outside of the money thing, Airlines, I mean, outside of typical courtesy from U.S. carrier employees in this country, um, it is mostly the passenger's fault. 
Yeah. It's ridiculous. You wouldn't be rushing or, or in a hurry or, or making a scene if you would get there on time, make it a priority. It's not like you don't know the route to the airport is going to have traffic <laughs> at 4 p.m. Like, how is this a shock to you? common sense it should be common sense i, I mean how many times have you been to the airport in your home city <laughs> how do you not know that there's not going to be traffic on the highway <laughs> like it just it's mind-blowing to me well I, I'm, I laugh i'm that person i always show up three hours early because i've had more flight issues in my life but admittedly my own fault um so i'm always there three minutes early i grab a pint or a glass of wine at the bar i work on my laptop and i just people watch a bit and yeah, you just see people running, you see people frazzled, people who are just not spatially aware and they're just causing issues. And oh, it makes me laugh so much. I love airports personally. Yeah, I, I love and I just walk around. I just keep moving. Um, even if I'm flying business, mm-hmm. I'll go into the lounge, get a drink, do what I have to do and come out and still walk around. Like I, I just I love walking around airports. I just think it's comical. It's the best sitcom on TV. <laughs> It's true. It's very true. I feel like you just came up with an idea that you need to. But it's like the simplest thing. It's like it's like if you're a writer and you're in LA and you need an idea for a TV show, like you don't have to go far. Just go to LAX. <laughs> oh, geez, yeah, especially LAX. It's so, it's madness. Now, the one thing I found because we also did an episode on travel snobbery where we actually mm-hmm. called ourselves out for things we've noticed we've done, and the one thing I'm really bad at is because I have my frequent flyer statuses, I have my um, global traveler card. So in North America, I'm just mm-hmm. breezing through security, and I'm just usually gate to or drop off to gate. 10 15 minutes but that's because i'm going priority check-in through Mm. bypass security is there anything you find and i miss it in australia they don't have global travel here and yeah oh um is is there anything you find where you're like "Mm, am i being like you just catch yourself you're like i'm being a bit of a snob right now um so so the thing the thing with me is I don't have status anywhere because typically for my trips, um, the airlines are involved with my trip. So I don't get the miles. Um, Everybody thinks I'm like a million miler everywhere, which I would have thought that would be more true. (laughs) Oh, you get nothing. Yeah. So yeah, no, I I just, I'm quite normal, especially when I travel. I'm just like, you know, yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good. That's good. That's a, definitely a good thing. So finally, my final question, and this is kind of every traveler and non-traveler alike, I feel like would like to know this, is do you have any life hacks for someone who would like a luxury travel experience but are on a budget? Yeah, I think that people, okay, people say, yeah, I want to, I want that luxury holiday that that I've always wanted to do, but I can only do it once in my life. Yeah. Let's go to Thailand in December for Christmas. Yeah. Like, well, if you want a high-end experience, think about places off-season. Yep. Think about when they're, they're at their lowest so you can get the most. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
go during the week if you can. Go, travel on off days. You know, instead of wanting to fly Friday after work and coming back Sunday night, well, guess what? If you're going away for the weekend, that's probably the priciest ticket there is. Yeah. Because everybody is trying to do it. Mm-hmm. So try to stagger your holiday and maybe leave Saturday morning and come back Monday night, take off one day. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there's, there's just a bunch of little things just like that. Yeah. And, just- and maybe when you do find a great deal online or, or whatever, um, before you book it, call the place. Maybe you can even get a better deal. Yeah. That's one thing I, cause I always, I mean, you have no downside. That's why I, I, I tell people this all the time, but the worst someone ever is ever really going to say to you is no. Correct. And if you're respectful and you're not entitled about thinking right. they should say yes, or they're obligated to, I mean, most people say, you know what? I'd love to help you out. I, I just unfortunately can't. That's the worst really that you typically But, but here, here's, and, and you're getting into a bit of the psychology part of, of this is people are petrified to hear the word no. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and the reason it means nothing to me is because when I was in finance, you would get told no 490 times a day. But that one <laughs> yes is huge. Yeah. Th- so, I mean, it's like me, like on the inside, I'm like hollow. So, like, you can tell me no all you want. Like, it's not going <laughs> to affect me. But at least I tried. Yeah. At least I gave it a shot. Yeah. And that's why people get a lot of times the same thing. When people ask me, how do I do the things I do? Most of the time, my answer is just, I asked. <laughs> I yeah. asked and someone said yes. And I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> like, and people, what I always try to drive home to is people genuinely like to help. People like to help. They like to be mentors <clears throat> if they're able. So a lot of times the no's are just, they're not able to. Right. Where, and then sometimes they just are. So yeah, I love that. And this really isn't a question for you. It's more so a challenge. Have you heard of the Qantas flight from Sydney to Antarctica? I have. You have? Have, it, yes. have you ever thought about doing something like that? Considering how Antarctica is like the place that I'm dying to go. Are you? There, there, there is nothing that would prevent me from saying yes to anybody who, who wanted to do that together. Yeah. I, I'm so down. All right. Yeah. Cause I was looking, I've kind of, I was kind of looking through everything you've done and I thought, I, I don't Antarctica, know. I, I just, Antarctica and Greenland mm-hmm. are my two places that I want to hit this year. Okay. I feel like Antarctica is calling you. I just, when oh. I was preparing for this, that I'm was, I'm down. Perfect. Let's do it. All right. I, when are, when I'm down. I'm in. <laughs> I don't know. My let's, calendar? let's look at <laughs> <it up. laughs> <laughs> All right. So well, be incredible. Is there anything else you wanted to talk on or you wanted to touch on today? Uh, No, I think we covered it. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I am waiting for you to come to Melbourne or when our paths will cross. And I have to say, I do already have the wine bar. I'm going to take you to picked out for when you are here. I can't wait. Awesome. There you have it. Great interview, Steph. Aw, thank you. I was a little nervous. It was my first time. It's, uh, it was our first interview for uh, for the show. And some really great insight. And I love how, you know, you touched on even visiting Southeast Asia, like I said at the beginning of this episode. Your money definitely goes a long way in Southeast Asia. And I think maybe people who don't really understand that haven't explored it yet, haven't researched it 
And it's definitely if you want the luxury experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of places around the world that would be much. I think we've said this before, where your money goes a lot further than, say, if you're traveling in Europe. Doing luxury travel in Europe is going to be a lot more expensive than somewhere like Southeast Asia or South America. Um, so yeah, guys, it's all about however you guys see luxury and however you want to travel. Yeah. And I just want to give a huge thanks to Scott for taking part. And guys, if you don't already follow him, you can find him online at Mr. Scott Eddie. And he does amazing things that you don't want to miss. So definitely check him out. Yeah. Give him a follow. Cool. All right. Well, thanks guys, as always for listening. Till next time. All the Shit I've Learned Abroad is a travel podcast focused on anything and everything related to travel. You can listen to us on multiple platforms from iTunes to Google Play Music and more. And with that, please, if you have a chance, give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That drives us up the charts and really, really helps us out. Want to support us on Patreon? Find us over at Shit I've Learned Abroad Pod. And donations start as low as just $1. Also, if you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shit Abroad Pod and Facebook by searching all the shit I've learned abroad. Thanks so much for listening.